I learned that it wasn't the me show, right? I learned mm-hmm. how to shift me to we. I learned very much about how to coach and guide, right? So instead of telling people what to do, it was a lot more bring people in and working with them through things. Hi, I'm Nils Vinya, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous, and the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard, you just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Spinya, and today my guest is Christy Faltaruso. Christy, welcome to the show. Hi, Nils. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Christy. I've been looking forward to our recording. So excited to dig into all things leadership. But first, would you share with us where you're working today in the role that you're in? Absolutely. So I am currently the Vice President of Customer Success at Client Success, which is a customer success management solution. So we help our customers through the journey of new to renew. So everything from onboarding all the way through that entire customer journey through hopefully retention and advocacy. So really excited. Part of my role, I own the post new sales experience because we are always selling, right? So post initial sales. And so I oversee our customer success, support and services teams there. I personally have been a customer of client success in my various leadership positions in the CS world. And I was thrilled when I saw that you joined officially with client success as the VP of CS. I've known Dave Blake and team since the almost the very beginning when they first came out of their you know private beta. And it's so cool to see what you guys have done so far. Always had a great experience. And I know it's even just off the charts now that you've been there too. Oh, I love to hear that, Niels. Yeah, we, you know, we're we're trying. We're making a lot of changes, and I think we've got some really great, innovative, you know, kind of things headed for the product as well as our, our services and support arms as well. So, really pumped about the future. Good. Well, you've got an incredible brand in the customer success community. Virtually everybody who's in customer success knows Christy. And that's a wonderful thing. We're going to talk a little bit about that later, about how you built that and some strategies and tactics to give our audience tips on how to do that themselves. But first, let's take a trip back in time. And you're at the VP level now, but that wasn't always the case. So how did you get into your first leadership position back whenever it was? I love this story. So first, I'd like to introduce the fact that my career has two acts. Act one was all in marketing and act two was in customer success. So my first leadership role actually started as part of act one. I had been working in digital marketing and online advertising. And this is when online advertising was focused on like selling banner ads on like web publications. And so this is when like magazines were still a thing and online was like, what you sold on the side to like drive in a little bit more money. It wasn't like the main revenue stream. 
since all of those magazines have since folded, but started my career there. And the first organization I worked for was great. I was there for three years, held a multitude of different roles and positions, learned a ton. And after that, decided that I wanted to go a little bit deeper into digital marketing. And so had joined an agency that specialized in search engine optimization. And so this was you know really focused on building and developing websites and then helping companies get those websites found in engines like Google, Yahoo. And so when I joined the organization, it was very flat. I joined as an account manager. And so really my role was similar to a customer success manager, right? I had this book of business where my customers were using our services and obviously we were in a, in a contract. And so we wanted to keep them as customers, right? So the renewal, but our job there was to make sure that they were getting value and that we were hitting their targets with the work that we were doing through our, our digital efforts. Well, when I joined, like I said, it was super flat. And at the time, the account management organization, we all reported in to our CEO. And the organization wasn't that small. We were probably like 25, 30 people. And to have all like our whole team, which our team wasn't big. Our team was probably like six, five or six people at the time. But having all of us report into the CEO plus the leadership team and everybody else, it was like, that didn't make any sense to me, right? I'm at the old age of 24 years old at the time, right? So I swear I th- thought I saw a thing or two, right? But it didn't feel right. I would say not even months, a couple of weeks in, I actually approached the, our CEO and said, hey, I, I don't know how you're doing this, but I think our team needs another layer of management here. We need, we need somebody who's going to be more hands-on. When we have customer needs, issues, escalations, we need to be able to pull you in. Your schedule doesn't permit for this. We need somebody who's going to help us brainstorm. And he was like very open and receptive. And this gentleman's name was Andrew. And he was like, Christy, I, I hear you. Definitely makes sense. You know, we'll look into this. And I said, well, while you're looking into this, I just want to throw my name into the ring right here. I said, I, I think that I would actually be a great manager for the team. Here's why. Here's what the value is I think I could bring to you, to our customers and to our team. And is this something that you would consider? And, you know, he kind of just looked at me baffled by the fact that I was saying, this is a problem. I have a solution. Let me be that solution. What do you think? And I sat there and I kind of like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't rhetorical. I sat there and waited for a response. <laughs> and so he looked at me and he said, yes, yes, I will consider you for this. And I said, great. What do I need to do? What do I have to show you? How long do we need to wait? What's our timeline? What are you thinking here? And again, he's baffled. He's so off put by my directness, I think. And so he was like, okay, do these five things. Let's check back in four weeks. And if we feel like this is headed in the right direction, let's make it official. And Niels, four weeks later, I was leading that team. Amazing. Okay, we got to break down some, there's some incredible stuff here. It's such a good story. Number one, you were just a few weeks into this company, like brand new, never, no experience there. Okay. You identified a problem, number two, which is theirs is a flat org. We all report to CEO, highly inefficient, et cetera. Number three, then you came to the CEO and approached the CEO directly within just a few weeks and said, here's a big problem. And he said, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that's good problem. Thanks for the heads up. And then four, the proactive piece, the step that, you know, is, is courageous to say, and here's how I could solve that problem. And here's why, what I can do for you. And it was in, wasn't about you getting the title and what I heard you say there. You said, here's what I can do for you. And that seems like it was a completely different approach from what, you know, some people may have approached or maybe even not at all. So I'm curious, 
at the ripe old age of 24 when you were going through this, how did you navigate this situation and say, you know what, I got to solve this problem and I got to come to the table with a solution because that's a very wonderful way to approach the problem. But sometimes we don't learn that till much later that it's not about us. It's actually about solving somebody else's problem. I will say, you know, in my first, in the first organization I worked for, that first company where I was there for a couple of years doing the online advertising, it was a large global company with a lot of process, a lot of strong leadership. And I was able to like learn a lot from a lot of the folks that were in place. And like I said, I, I held several different roles. So I was exposed to a ton of different leaders in, in that journey. And I learned a lot. And one of the things that this woman, Tracy, who I reported to for some time, she always told me, never go to your boss with a problem always approach him or her with a solution. And so I, that always resonated with me. And obviously we, we hear it all the time. And so every time I hear it, it reinforces it. But at the ripe old age of 24, that was the first time I heard that. And I was like, wow, what a, what a, what a concept. Sure. That makes sense. So I took that, right. Which, what Tracy instilled in me. And when I went and approached Andrew with this and said, here's the problem, here's how I can help you. Because what I told him was, this is a problem for our customers, our team, but it's a problem for you too. You don't have the bandwidth to support us. You don't, you're not able to do the work that needs to get done to do this. You need to step aside and go lead this company. Yeah. Wow, that's phenomenal. And what a pivotal piece of advice can have like one conversation, one little nugget. And that's a big reason why this podcast exists is to share those kinds of insights, because whether you're the first, you know, it's your first leadership position or even up into the VP ranks, it's still about solving problems in the you got to put it in the position of how it's going to help other people. That's the fastest way to get where you want to go. And this was a perfect example. Love that. You grabbed a tactic, grabbed a tool, you put into action. And four weeks later, you were responsible for a team. And how big was that team when you took over? So it was six of us. So I had five people reporting to me directly at that time. By the time I left, I had a team of 15. Wow. That's a big, yeah, big scale, big jump. Okay, so just high level before we move on from this one. This was the first leadership position. How did you navigate getting up to the point where you were leading a team of 15 in your time there? And there's a lot of ups and downs and sideways and how do I do this? What were some of the most important things that worked well for you or that you sought outside help for? What happened? How'd you get through that? Nils, I have no idea how me or my team survived that time. It was... <laughs> I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about how not to lead through my own experiences and journeys. And like, this is where I always say, you can fail forward, you can fail up. And so this was an example of like, listen, I, I didn't know what it meant to lead people. I did think that leading was telling, not showing. I thought that leading was, I don't want to say like taking all the credit, right? But I did very much lead with like a me style, right? And so I would report up to leadership. It was a lot about like, oh, what I'm doing. And it was, you know, even though it was the work of my team. So I know that there was a lot of things I did wrong. I didn't have any formal training, right? That's not uncommon. How many times do we put people into management positions and we don't properly train and enable them? We have no idea. Like nobody innately knows how to people lead without some direction and coaching. And the only thing I had to go by was emulating leaders I had seen in the past, good, bad, or indifferent. I didn't know. I was still so young that copying what I saw was what I thought was the best approach. And I will tell you, I didn't always have strong leaders. So <laughs> I don't know that copying was the best example, but it was all I had to go by. So I learned that it wasn't the me show, right? I learned how to shift me to we. 
I learned very much about how to coach and guide, right? So instead of telling people what to do, it was a lot more of bringing people in and working with them through things. I did have my first experience terminating an employee, which I also believe I handled very poorly. And looking back now, if I could go and find her and apologize for the experience that I probably created, I I would. I will tell you uh, the biggest challenge for me and something that I, I, I probably struggled with probably up until maybe let's say five years ago, even still was leading people that were older than I was. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, you know, very much being like, you respect your elders and like, you know, you do what you're told. And that was just how I was grown. Like I was raised. And so it was weird to tell somebody who was older than me what to do because that just felt very unnatural. So struggling with that as a dynamic is like, well, how should I be telling somebody who's got 20 years experience how to do this job? When the reality is the numbers of years and experience had nothing to do with it. I was put in this role because I knew how to do the work and I should have felt empowered to go and do the work that I needed to do. So Nils, I will tell you, it was not, it was not a good look. If I looked back, I'd be like, oh, that's so embarrassing a hundred times over, but I learned a ton. Hey, that's why we share these stories, right? Otherwise they get buried in the drawer and we never pick them out again. And then the same cycle happens over and over and over again. There is somebody right now listening to this podcast who has just been put into a leadership position as a result of being either maybe proactive like you, or perhaps they were the best person on their team in whatever discipline that they're in. And hearing your story of the things that you learned, right? not having any training, which they probably don't either, going from me to we, learn how to coach and guide, you know, going through the challenges of terminating employees and figuring out how to lead people older than them. They got to know that they're not alone. That's part of it, right? We all, everybody experience, I've experienced these same things too, right? And it's just part of the growth and part of the development, part of why we talk about this and bring this up because these stories, to be completely honest, I don't see getting told very often, which again was one of the reasons why I started this podcast. I'm so thankful that you would share it because it takes a lot of courage to say that I completely screwed up. (laughs) This was a period of time in my life where I did not have all of it in place, even despite what I may have thought. And I've been there myself as well. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing is like, I I thought, wow, okay, great. I wanted to, I wanted to lead people. I wanted to move up. I was so bullish about my career and my career trajectory that I wanted to own it. And I was so excited to get this role, but I was excited for the wrong reasons, right? And I didn't understand that the really like the honor it is to lead people and how you how serious you have to take it and and really thinking about the team and the people first. That wasn't something that I think I spent a lot of time thinking through at that age. What an honor it is to lead people. I love that's just said absolutely perfectly. All right. So let's fast forward a little bit and let's get into act two. In the customer success world, what level did you enter the customer success world? Was this at a leadership position or was this individual contributor? And then we'll uh, take a quick path into how you built the brand that is Christy today. <laughs> All right. So Act 2 was a pivot. So I had stayed in marketing for the first decade of my career. I had grown into a, the director level, was the most senior level I had hit at that stage in Act 1. And... but. I had used a technology called Bright Edge at two different companies to help me with my search engine optimization efforts and became very like a, a huge advocate for the brand, for the business. And as they were growing, I said, hey, guys, open an office in New York. They were based in uh, Silicon Valley. And I said, hire me. I'll come work for you. And they hold did. On, hold on. Hold on. Pause. Pause right there. Because again... I want to pull out the thread here that is consistent from how you got your first leadership position to how you got this session. You, you went to one of the 
tools, the systems that you used as a client and said, here's where you guys are have office out there. You have nothing going on in New York. You need a New York office. This will do this for you, I imagine. And you can hire me and I'll solve the problem. It sounds very similar. Am I, am I right on that track? Yes, now that you've laid that out for me. But yes, I guess it was more of me identifying an opportunity and presenting myself as the solver, the solution or part of that. So I did. And they did. They had just opened an office in New York. I ended up being the fourth hire, the third in a customer success capacity. And so joined a customer success team of about, I want to say like we were like maybe like seven to nine people at the time. The majority of the team was based in California. And so we had three of us in New York. and. I joined the team as an IC. I came on board as a senior customer success manager, handling a book of business, uh, reported into the VP of customer success at that time, and had to rebuild all over again. Because you were at a director level. Yeah. And then you came down to IC. Yep. Yep. And for me, it wasn't about the title. It wasn't. It was about the opportunity, right? So I knew that this was something I thought I could be really good at and something I'd be really excited to do. And it has, and I am, and I and I still love the work. And, you know, it was a wonderful, I think, transition from being in marketing to finding my foot in the door in customer success and specifically in the SaaS world. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And it started with identifying a problem, presenting a solution, and positioning yourself as the best possible solution to that problem, which is awesome. Because it's a lot easier to solve problems when you identify them first. And you can, it's a lot easier to position yourself as the solution to the problem when you identify the problem, as opposed to the other way around. Now, what year was this when you were with, when you joined Bright Edge? 2012. Okay. Yeah. So it's fascinating. We've known each other for a long time, but our paths overlapped in, in crisscross because I got into my first CSM position at almost the exact same time, within a few months. It was just right around that same time. And then we both rose through the ranks going from, you know, individual contributor, manager, director, and VP. So we'd love to hear, you know, your, as you look back now from being in the VP seat for a while and the brands that you have built, both your own personal ones, as well as those of the companies that you've worked for, what are some of the most important elements when it comes to defining your brand, especially from a leadership perspective? Gosh, I mean, I think it's such a great question, but I would say the thing that really, I think I spent a lot of time thinking through is what do I want to be remembered by, right? Like, how do I want to be remembered by my team, by the companies that I worked for? What was the legacy I was going to leave behind? And I always wanted people to remember my commitment, my dedication to the team and to the business, right? And almost view me as the, the hardest working person in the room. I may not always be the smartest, but I'll always be the hardest working. I did want everyone to just remember me as somebody who was truly customer centric, right? At all costs, my customers would come first, you know, outside of my team, my team first, but then my customers were always at the forefront of anything we were doing and building. And then I think the third thing that was really important to me is just, you know, what was the impact I was going to make? And so a little bit different than my legacy on how I'd be remembered, but what was that impact to the business, to our customers, again, to the team? And so I think always thinking through the lens of those three things really helped me, I think, focus on the work that I would do and then ultimately how I would pivot and transition my brand from each role, from each company, and then ultimately to establishing my own brand personally. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. 
The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. Now let's talk about the actual tactics and things, the strategies that you used over the last 10 plus years to build the brand. I mean, was this, you know, involvement in groups? Was this LinkedIn posting? Was this webinars? What, how did you go about figuring out, okay, I got this kind of vision for how I want to be remembered. Now I got to do some stuff to actually make it happen inside of an industry that was constantly changing and had no one single source of truth for anything. <laughs> well, Neil, listen, you remember, like if we could think back to 2012, we didn't have the resources or the people at our disposal that this community has today. This community is amazing, amazing, and packed with selfless givers that are just sharing so much knowledge all day, every day. I mean, I, I look on LinkedIn and it's just, I'm overwhelmed by how much content and knowledge is being shared. We didn't have that, right? So I, like I said, I think me, I'm somebody who like looks around and I try to emulate what I see that's working for others. That's not uncommon as a practice. And we didn't have that. So I didn't have anybody kind of like leading the charge out of like, how do you build your personal brand? And how do you accomplish the three things that I wanted to personally? So I'd say the first five years of my career, I probably didn't do anything. You know, I probably just, I think I just hunkered down. I worked hard. I did the work. I did the work, right? And so it was in those first five years that I actually went from an IC role to a VP role. And that was really important that I stayed heads down and focused because if I didn't have the experience that I had there and really invested all the time in that work, I wouldn't have the stories to share today, right? I, how much credibility would I have if I didn't say I went through all these things? And so the first five years weren't about building my brand. It had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with the work that I was doing, growing my career short in, inside of the organization. But I didn't care what anybody outside of Bright Edge thought about me. I only cared what, what did my CEO think about me? What did my VP think about me? Like, that's all I cared about. That's all, What does my team think about me? That's all that mattered to me. And I will tell you, that focus, I have zero regrets. I learned a ton. I, I took away the knowledge, the experiences, the life lessons with me that gave me the content to then share as I continued to move on. And I will tell you, even after that, when I moved on from Bright Edge, it probably took me a year to get comfortable with having a voice in the community and going through, you know, imposter syndrome or whatever, however you want to call it. But like, I'm going to go share on LinkedIn. I'm going to go put something out there that someone can go read and judge. What if I'm wrong? What if someone disagrees? What if someone says something? And they will. Yeah. And they will. And they always will. For better or otherwise. But it took me, I think, the five years of learning, the one year of biting my nails and wondering, should I, shouldn't I, to then getting to a place where I was like, you know what? The heck with it. It's social media. I'm going to go put stuff out there. If we're connected, we should have a relationship or there should be some reason that we're connected. You shouldn't be a stranger. I'm going to put something out there and see what happens. Good. And great things did happen. I love that you called out the fact that the most single most important thing to building your leadership brand was actually doing the work first before ever building it. And I think today, sometimes there can be this feeling of, 
well, I have to constantly be out there, right? I just, there's just too much going on. And the CS profession has gotten to the point where there are more and more people every year. It is one of the most in-demand fields, which is wonderful. A lot of opportunity for everybody across the board. It's fantastic. And the content has grown exponentially, right? When we were getting started, it was even the year, a year before the first Pulse conference, right? <laughs> which we were both at. <laughs> just orders of magnitude and difference. But being heads down and focused on doing the work is such an incredible lesson. And then it took a full year to find your voice and to feel comfortable just putting stuff out there. I mean, that speaks volumes and is a big reason why the community connects with you in the way they did, because you're authentic. You did the work. You've been there. You've done it. You're not, these aren't theories. You know what? It's so interesting. So you say that. And I guess I didn't really think about it until maybe our conversation, but... I like to think that that's what separates the content that I do put out there from a lot of the content that does exist because it is coming from experience. It's not coming from hypothetical. The content that I give isn't, here's what I think could work. It's based on my experiences, here's what I know will work and why. And I will say there are a lot of people who I do feel are putting out content because they feel like they need to be present and they are trying to build their voice. But if they did take some time to really just hunker down, engage in a different way, you could still be present and engage, but build the experiences, build the expertise, build the credibility, and then come back with those stories. People will connect more with your stories than they will with just plain content that is regurgitated. Agree a hundred percent. And there's no shame in focusing inward. You know, there's a wonderful group that puts on the CS100 every year and the top 25 of which you and I are part of, which has been fantastic multiple years in a row. And it can feel sometimes like you're left out if you're not part of that 25 or part of that 100. But the reality is, no, you're, it's, it's not. It's just now might be the time to focus internally and get the reps in, get the stories down, get the figure out how you're going to even tell your story. Because that's an entirety other conversation in and of itself to be able to communicate something that you know inherently that worked inside your organization for some part of your customer strategy and communicate that in an effective way where someone else can take away that learning and then apply it in their world. That is a very challenging thing to do and it takes time, right? So if you're out there, if you're thinking about your brand, know that it's okay to focus on yourself, to get the reps in, to get sometimes years in. It does not have to be an all or nothing. You have to be on this all the time and whatnot. Can I just add one more thing there? Absolutely. It's also not the worst thing to be known in the community as like the number one or the most, like the learner. Be the learner brand. Be the person out there in the community who wants to take in all the information, right? You don't need to be the person pushing it all out. Take it all in and be known for that. Be a person who wants to be someone who is personally invested in their own professional growth. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And that was very much my track as well. When I got into the role of CSM, finally, I, felt, I mean, I felt like the, the heavens parted and the sun shined down on me. And it was like, this is where you fit in the professional world. And I was like, wow, cool. So several years of just cranking and going from individual contributor to manager to director. It wasn't until I got into my first VP role in 2014 that I felt like I had something to share. And I had some great experiences. And the very first place I did, there was a company called Blue Nose Analytics, was an early entrant in the customer success platform space, similar to client success. And they had they started one of the very first customer success communities. Gainsight had one early on, and Blue Nose was uh, pushing hard and creating the community. And I remember spending a significant amount of my time as a VP. I took 
time for myself at that point. And I just answered questions like for hours a week. And it was fun because all I did was share stories about what worked for me and then ask questions to help other people learn. And every time I've seen your posts, it's the same kind of sentiment, which is, hey, this is what worked for me. However, it's not going to apply 100% to your situation, right? We have to be able to tell the story of what we did, but also do it in a provocative way where somebody can take it away. I'm curious for your thoughts on just how to, how to go about that authenticity of telling your story. You know, is it okay to share all the details or are these scripted things that somebody should be thinking about? Well, I kind of want to tell the story, but it doesn't really end that well. So I got to attach a different ending to it. Or is it just, hey, this is exactly what happened. This is how it went down. Oh, I definitely try to just be authentic and real. It's like telling you the story about my first management experience, right? I don't I don't get points for for winning all the time, right? My journey didn't end well. I didn't get fired or anything like that. It didn't end well. But I learned a lot, right? And then I moved on to my next role. And what I did is I changed my leadership style and approach based off of what I learned and my experiences there. But no, I don't think that anyone gains anything from altering the story, right? I think that people connect with the fact that everyone's human. Nobody's perfect. We're all learning as we go. We're going to stumble. We're going to make mistakes. It's how you pick yourself up. It's how you learn from those and how you do something different in the future. Yeah, 100%. There's a lot of interesting headlines that get put out on various pieces of content by lots of different parties all across the community. Everybody has a slightly different angle they're going for, whether it's personal brand, maybe it's company brand, maybe it's for their customers or whatnot. But I'm curious about your thoughts on how to remain authentic when, when the work that you're doing isn't the, oh, we doubled retention in six months, right? Or we halved our implementation time in three months, right? The catchy, clickbaity headline things. How do you remain authentic and tell a story somebody wants to read without these, you know, somewhat probably exaggerated headlines that do circle circulate around? I think it's important to find the lesson, right? I don't know if there's always a lesson in the, you know, self-promoting, I moved mountains in three weeks. I think it's interesting. But I, I rarely learn anything from those stories. So I look for content that's going to teach me a lesson, right? What's something I can take away? Good, better. And your story could end very favorably for you. Maybe it ended very horribly for you. Maybe it ended horribly for somebody else. I don't know. But I like the stories that teach me something. Teach me how to be a better version of myself as a person, as a leader, as a customer success professional. Those are the things I think actually drive more value for the community. And although they might not have the clickbaity headline, we can use our marketing techniques to come up with something that will entice people and draw them in. But it's all about storytelling. And I think that if you can tell a story effectively, you can convey a really strong message that will resonate with the masses. That's a wonderful point. And finding a lesson is a great tip for anybody to put into action when you think about what you are sharing on whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook, whatever social platform you choose. But it's a lesson because people connect with lessons because they want to hear your story. But it's also a great way to not put yourself at the center, right? Here was the situation. Here was the outcome. And here's what I learned. I'm not saying go do this like you'll, you need to go do it. So in that storytelling piece, Tell us a little bit about how you think about storytelling when you're thinking about one of your leadership webinars that you're going to run or a post that you're going to put out. Like, How does the storytelling element really come into the picture when you're developing content? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, a big thing is 
you know, I really try to think about this. Like everything I put out there is based off of real life experiences. Sometimes they're in the past and sometimes they're very much the present. And I'll give you a good example. So last week, actually the week before, time is just flying by. Two weeks ago, we kicked off our our quarterly NPS campaign at Client Success. And that's something that we do, I would say maybe three times a year. Maybe it's not quarterly, maybe it's three times a year. And we were taking in all of the feedback and obviously embracing it with a mantra that feedback is a gift, but reading through everything, the good and the bad and taking in all the comments. And I did a, I'd done a LinkedIn post about that. And I thought it was important for me to share it through the lens of a story of how important it is to not only receive and internalize the feedback, but how do you act on it, right? Customers don't want to share feedback they feel like is falling on deaf ears. So I talked about how we take all the, well, first I talked about through the lens of how to make me feel, right? As somebody who's reading through a lot of comments, some that we're, we're talking about my parts of the organization and places where we can improve. Um, you know, it's hard to not take that stuff personal, but I wanted to tell people it's okay to internalize it. It's okay to have feelings about this stuff. Keep yourself in a good headspace. Remember that all feedback is a gift. Then I went through as far as telling, you know, as I start to narrate my story is, well, what do I really want the community to learn from what I'm sharing? And the reality of it is, I said, I wanted to make sure that everyone understood that one, feedback is a gift. You should embrace it. Two, you've got to take action on all the feedback that you are receiving and make sure that you're doing something with it or else don't ask for it. Three, you've got to be thoughtful on, on how you're going to now take action really in driving the business based off that feedback, not just responding and reacting to the content that's being shared with you. And then making that, you know, known by strong communication. So I kind of like mapped out my plans of like, what do you do with it? So all of my stories, Niels, I think kind of follow a same framework of what am I going through? What is my, what's my story right now? But then more importantly, what can you, as somebody who's reading this, go and take from this? Like, what can you go do today if you're navigating a similar situation. And so I feel like that's just the structure of all my content. It it helps humanize me a bit and it gives me a, my own personal authentic voice of here's Christy and all of her feelings about whatever it is that's going on in her world or her life. But then also more importantly, now what can you do with what she's sharing and how do you take that away in a very practical and tactical way? And I think that's been the framework that I've used for all of the content, whether it's our webinars that we're we're doing with client success or my posts or even podcasts where I'm sharing information. It's giving people a little bit of my story so they can relate to me, bring them in through that relatable content, but then giving them things that they can go apply today that will make them better. Yeah, that I mean, connecting at the personal level and the humanization is so critically important. But the thought process you go through before creating content is so important. And I think is the real takeaway for the audience here that this isn't just about sharing what you know, right? This every piece of content that Christy puts out there and same with me has an intended purpose, whatever that purpose might be right? Not, there's no judgment on what the purpose is. Maybe it is to get your voice known. Maybe it is just to share altruistically what you went through in this situation because you know somebody else out there isn't going through it or is going to go through it, right? And the more you share from that perspective, the better. And the more human you are, the better. And I just love the fact that you have that consistent framework. It works for you. It has continued to work for you. And just, you know, the community has engaged like no other, and everybody looks forward to when your posts come out and when your webinars happen, right? Myself included. I learn a lot from you too. And we've been in this, in this, in this fun game for 10 years doing some very things. learn things. something from somebody's story. And I think that's what's beautiful about it, right? It doesn't matter what level you're at. You never stop learning. And everyone's experience is going to bring and shine some light on something new for you if you, if you listen for it. So I've got a question about 
When it comes to thinking about getting started or doing more from a posting and social perspective, just brand building element, sometimes there can be this feeling of overwhelm, right? There's so much stuff on LinkedIn. The feed literally never stops, just like Facebook and all the others. It just never goes. If you don't see it in the first five seconds, it's gone. Like it just is. So what's so you might ask, what's the point? And we've covered, you know, a good amount of background on why it's important to do this, but there's still a lot of hesitation. Right? People still and people I coach and have worked with in the past have always felt a little hesitant to share their story. So I'm curious what advice you would share to someone who has put in the reps, who has put in the time and has some genuinely incredibly insightful experiences to share, perhaps in a silver framework to what you just described, that could really benefit the community as a whole and specifically, definitely individuals in a very similar situation. What advice would you share with them about sharing their voice? I would say you've got to find your level of comfort. And I always advise people, it's like crawl, walk, run, right? You don't need to go jump in with these life stories and lengthy posts. You can go find content that really resonates with you and be very thoughtful on how you're commenting and engaging with that content, right? So you can figure out, am I comfortable having a voice in this in this format, right? Comments. They're not, they're not shining a light on you, right? If you're uncomfortable with being in the spotlight, it's not the same as having a post, but you can contribute and engage in a very thoughtful way that starts to build your, your voice, but also your level of comfort with social media. I would say something else to start to think about is, all right, well, if you start to get comfortable with that, what is your next step? And so I've advised people, if you don't want to start building your own post yet, maybe reshare a post and then add all of your thoughts along with that shared post. Now, is it going to perform the same way as an original post of content? No, because we understand LinkedIn's algorithm and how it works, but it's a baby step into creating a post, but you're using somebody else's content to be that launch pad for your voice, right? And so you don't have to worry about the creative ideation of, oh gosh, am I going to come up with a story that's going to resonate enough? No, but you're going to have a POV on somebody else's content. And so you're going to amplify their voice, which helps. And then you're also going to start to share your opinion on things. And then when you get to a point where you feel like you've got your story, you understand the voice and the brand that you want to contribute to the community, go out there and start posting on your own. And don't be afraid of it, right? It. I have posts, I have some posts that I like spend what feels like hours coming up with that get like, I don't know, 20 engagements. I'm like, well, well, that's that okay. That didn't that didn't do what I thought it was gonna do. Listen, and I don't know if it's LinkedIn, I don't know if it's the community. I, you know, I can point fingers all day, but what I do do is I just stay consistent. Some of my posts do really well, some of my posts don't do well, but nothing prevents me from posting, you know, three to eight times a week, right? Like my, you know, I, I try to stay consistent, always be present with stories that I think are gonna always follow my framework of humanizing me and bringing some value to the community, but that consistency is key. Yeah. Wonderful. The consistency right there. And I'd second that 100%. It doesn't so much matter all the little nuanced details, but if you commit to the consistency, you know, platform algorithm aside, it's more of a, there's a big psychological benefit to that too, because you get to hold yourself accountable to it and other people begin to get to know that you're going to publish stuff on a regular basis. And that's cool. And there is somebody out there who wants to know your story, period. Lock stop. Christy, in the last little bit here we have here, I want to talk, come back to the leadership point. And you mentioned that, you know, early on when you got promoted into that people leadership position, 
There was no education. There was no training. There was no coaching, no nothing. Last year, you joined as one of the very first members of my leadership development program, which at the time was in a early, early form and has now evolved into what's called the B2B Leaders Academy. And you've put one of your team members into my program. We'd love to hear from you. You know, what is it about one, this program and, and my work that gave you the confidence to say, you know what, this is, would be a great leadership development step for this individual on my team. Obviously, I love your content. One of the things that drew me in when you opened up that opportunity you'd taken, I think it was like right around the holidays or you were getting ready to launch this, you did a special. And I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe the price point you were offering it at. I was like, I'd be silly not to, right? It was a gift to myself. So I went and signed up, but I knew I kind of got a sense of who you were and your style. And it very much emulated with areas that I'd want to improve and how I'd want to approach my own leadership development. I will tell you, and I, and I have told you this, and it's on your website too, as I believe I've left several testimonials, but it was one of the most engaging and thought-provoking leadership trainings I'd ever gone through. It took a lot of what I thought I already knew, took it to another level, but then gave me tools and devices to go and apply it in my day-to-day -day, and not in a way that felt like I was overwhelmed or in a way that was unmanageable, right? It very much felt like when you're ready, here's this thing when you're ready, here's this thing when you need it. And I felt like I just created this amazing toolkit that when I needed it, it was there for me. Whether I needed a screwdriver or a hammer or a nail or a wrench, I had what I needed because you gave that to me. And I thought about my experiences in people leadership and how my experience coming into it was not great. And I, I made a promise to myself that if I had the ability to prevent that from ever being the case, I would. And so here was an opportunity where we've got this very, you know, very strong high performer in our organization who's made it very clear with us that she wants to move in people leadership. And we want to make sure that she is aware that we are committed to her and her long-term growth here at Client Success. And it's not always about raises and promotions. Sometimes it's people want to feel like you're investing in them and that you're actually going to do what you say you're going to do. And I thought that the next best step was to demonstrate to her that we're committed to her. And I thought, what what better thing that I could give somebody was the gift of having the tools that you had provided to me. So for me, I thought that was a gift that we could give to her. And the feedback is she's really enjoying it so far. So I am thrilled to see how it continues to go for her. But listen, I think if we as leaders are going to be promoting people into leadership roles, whether it's their first time or not, we need to take that seriously because the impacts to them personally their employees that report to them, to the business. I mean, there's just too much at stake to let that go uninvested in. So for me, I'll never, I'll never make that mistake as long as it's within my control not to. Love it. Chrissy, your, mean, your words mean the world to me. Thank you so much for trusting me. And if you're honest, just thoughts on how to keep this development going and how to not let someone who even isn't even in a leadership position today how to set them up for success by enrolling them in the B2B Leaders Academy. To your point earlier about, you know, getting the reps in and before you go out to the public, I was a leadership coach, have been for 10 years, and I did one-on-one -on -one work with clients for 10 years before I felt like I could write a book, before I felt like I could create this program. There is no way I could have done this any earlier than when it actually happened because I had to get that many thousands of hours of actual work in to be able to understand how to provide the tools in the most effective way to the leaders that I get a chance to work with in the B2B Leaders Academy. So thank you for your trust and being one of my very first uh, participants and for your testimonials. It, it, may, it truly means the world to me and I love working with your team member in the program. 
All right, last question here, and then we're going to wrap up. Knowing everything you know today, if you could go back in time and sit down with your younger self when you were 24, and in that very first leadership position, four weeks, six weeks after you joined the company, what advice would you share with your former self? Ask for help. Hmm. You know, I thought that because I was put into a management position that I was expected to know all the answers and to know what to do. And that wasn't the expectation. It was just what I had thought in my head, right? So I I had convinced myself that I was in this role and I just got to figure it out all by myself, how wrong I was. And if I would have asked for help and guidance and I would have leaned on other leaders around me and asked for advice and coaching, I think I could have been a much better initial leader. And it's something I've, I've come to learn to do over time is ask for help. And I know I don't know everything and I still don't know everything and I'll never know everything. But asking for help has really, I think, transformed my leadership style, um, my ability to be empathetic, my just everything about who I am and also makes me a continuous learner. So asking for help is what I would have told little Christy to go do. Go ask for help. That's awesome. (laughs) Wonderful advice. Well, Christy, you've been so generous with your expertise, your wisdom on all things leadership, brand building. I know this audience has taken away a tremendous amount. I'm learning things uh, just like you. I'm always after the how can I learn to improve. So thank you so much for spending your time with us. And I can't wait to hear about all the incredible things that you and the client success team are going to continue to do. Uh, Thank you so much, Nils. This was so much fun. I appreciate you giving me a platform to share a little bit more about my story. My pleasure. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.